it's kind of a little bit of a challenging, not like Mother's Day. Mother's Day is 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 so widely and, and, and greatly celebrated as it should, as it should be. But Father's Day could be somewhat challenging, can it? Um not everybody, come on, not everybody was born with a great dad. Sometimes it's difficult for us to think of God as our good, good father when we have a lousy reference point here on earth. Some of us have had good fathers, but some of us, even though we try to be good dads, maybe feel that we haven't been the best of dads, that we kind of miss the mark a little bit. And we certainly miss that mark when we look at biblical manhood and we look at what biblical fatherhood is about. Today, uh, we rise and we answer the call to be the best dad that we can be. Reach out to each other as men, having accountability partners, drawing from each other's wisdom and experiences that we would seek God to know him more intimately as our father and to understand the biblical manhood and the art of unconditional love. So on this day, this Father's Day, we remember that call and we honor fatherhood as we honor you dads. Dads, can you please stand up? Everybody who's a dad, come on. Yeah, Artie. Everybody who's a dad. Everybody who is a dad. Miss Myrna, would you? I'm going to give this one to Artie. Yes. Here you go. Oscar, stand up. Just because it's in the oven doesn't mean that life is at conception. Come on now. Life is in conception. Praise God. Daddy. Who's your daddy? Yo, don't choose. <laughs> Jasmine. Who's your daddy? <laughs> Yasmin is blushing all sorts of red right now. It's a little, this is a little gift. It's a little token this kind of fits perfectly if you wear jeans in that little in that little jean pocket right on the side. It's kind of like where I put my eh, it fits right there. And and it's just a token. It's a reminder. Every time you kind of fall into your pocket. God is my power, strength my, my, my strength and power. God is my strength and power. And it's a little utility knife. It's got it's got a little uh, nail file, guys. You, yeah, yeah. We need that so bad, right? I've actually I've actually used the scissor in it. It's kind of cool. Um, believe it or not, the thing that I use the most so far since I've had this <laughs> is the toothpick. <laughs> so when you're done eating, it's got a little toothpick. Here, here, here's the here's the here's what's important, gentlemen. Yeah, it's a little utility knife. But we've got to remember that God's word is sharper than any two-edged sword. We've got to always understand that with him, there is nothing that's impossible for us. We as men, as we rise up and take our position as a biblical manhood, as a father, as a son, not a son of rebelliousness, but a son of obedience, as a son that says, Dad, I understand that there are certain privileges and luxuries that come living underneath your rooftop, 
living in your kingdom, and if we walk in obedience to your statutes, Lord, that you are able to keep us, sustain us, empower us. There is nothing, nothing that is outside of God's control. God is our strength, and he is our power. And so, you know what? As you throw this in your pocket and as you use it, let it be a daily reminder that, you know what? We serve a powerful and living God that we can draw from him at any given moment and at any given time. So, dear Lord, this morning, I pray, Father God, over every father that is here and represented. And, Lord, we may not be... We may not be the best, but Father God, we submit. We may not be the smartest, but Lord, Father God, we we seek to you for counsel. Lord's just dealing with me right now. There may be, there, there are men in this room. You may not be physical fathers, but God is calling you out to be spiritual fathers to birth spiritual children, to disciple them and mentor them, to bring them up and watch over them. See, because we're, we're fathers not only based by the children that we birth in the physical, but we also become fathers by the children that we birth in the spiritual. And so, Lord Father, I just pray right now for your hand and mantle to fall upon us that we would rise up, oh God, as iron sharpens iron, Lord, that we would be able to sharpen each other's countenance, lift each other up, oh God, that, Father, that right now there would be a bond. As you had called your 12, oh God, you have called each and every one of us that are here this morning. Form this bond, Lord Father, amongst the men of your church, Lord. If one can send a 100, Father God, to a 1,000, Bind us, O Lord, Father God, to push back the darkness of this community and to release your light, O Lord. In and through Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. Thanks, dads. (laughs) Hallelujah. He was looking for the toothpick. (laughs) It actually... It's coming handy. (laughs) All right. All right, family. So, I'm picking up where we left off two weeks ago. And um, right now, uh, the passage of Scripture that we're we're drawing from is 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verses 1 through 10. It's a passage of scripture that's also known as the marks of the ministry. The marks of the ministry. How do you know that a ministry is legitimate, that God's hand is on it? How do you, how do you look for the credibility of God's favor over a specific ministry? Right? Um, it says that uh, Matthew chapter uh, uh, 6, that, right, or 7, that we, we ought not to judge, judge not for the same measure that you judge. We will be judged. But yet the Bible also says that you who are spiritual judge those things that are spiritual. And so we have to understand the context of Scripture. That when it comes to us and and the people of the world, the people that are lost, the people that are broken, how can we possibly judge them? Because we know that they're walking and living in ignorance. Right? And so we, we, 
obviously we can't judge them for the things that they're doing. I mean, if it wasn't for the grace of God, where would we be? But now we're in the church. And we've been saved, sanctified, Holy Spirit filled. Now we're walking and conducting ourselves as children, not of rebellion. But now we're children of obedience. And so if we're walking in obedience and we're to walk within certain spiritual statutes, it says you who are spiritual, judge those things that are spiritual. So judgment starts where? Oh, come on now. So we started this, this series speaking about paradoxes, right? Seemingly absurd or self-contradictory. They're statements that seem absurd, but yet can be true or at least make sense. 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 1 through 10. We then, as workers together with him, also plead with you not to receive the grace of God in vain. For he says... In an acceptable time, I have heard you, and in the day of salvation, I have helped you. Behold, now is the accepted time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. We give no offense in anything that our ministry may not be blamed. But in all things, we commend ourselves as what? Ministers of God. In much patience in tribulations and needs, in distresses and stripes and imprisonments, in tumults and labor and sleeplessness, in fastings, by purity, by knowledge, by long-suffering, by kindness, by the Holy Spirit, by sincere love, by the word of truth, by the power of God, by the armor of righteousness on the right hand and on the left, by honor and dishonor, by evil report and good report. As deceivers and yet true, as unknown and yet well known, as dying and behold we live, as chastened and yet not killed, as sorrowful yet always rejoicing, as poor yet making many rich, as having nothing and yet possessing all things. Dear God, we just pray your blessing over this word, Lord. We thank you, God, for its value, for its eternal, for its eternal consequences. I pray right now, Lord God, that you would open up our hearts and ears, that, Lord Father God, your word would be made plain and clear to us this morning. We ask this, Lord, in Jesus' name, amen and amen. Now, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to blow through this very quickly to bring us up to date. If you've missed any of these messages um, on iTunes and on Google Play, um, all, of our, all of our messages are digitally recorded and are available on podcast. So you can back up and, and look for um, the title of the messages is Real Illusions of Reality. Real Illusions of Reality. Because oftentimes what we see as reality or we deem as our reality, the physical world, what we can physically touch, taste, see, what's tangible for us because is our only reality. But the fact of the matter is that that is an illusion. We are spiritual beings having an earthly experience. We are not earthly beings having a spiritual experience. 
Once this body dies, the soul continues. Just because I close my eyes doesn't mean that the physical things around me cease to exist. Just because I can't see them doesn't mean that they don't exist. I just need to open my physical eyes and, oh my God, behold a chair. Same thing with the spiritual realm. Just because we cannot see it doesn't mean that it's not there. All we have to do is ask God, Lord, open up our spiritual eyes that we may see and hold on to your seat. Because as God begins to reveal things to you, you will see that there is a different world, a greater world, huh? One that is a lot more real than this. All of a sudden, when, when we have this salvation experience, the things of this world seem to pale in comparison because eternity is birthed inside of us. Now we live and die for this. Huh? Death has no hope. Come on. Oh, grave, where is your sting? Death no longer has a hold on us. So Paul calls himself a, la- a co-laborer with God. So, so we are working with God in God's appointed time in his kairos, a time when conditions are right, when all the ducks are fall into alignment. You ever, you ever have that experience in life that it just seemed that you were at the right place at the right time with the right person that came across and it was just like everything lined up. See that lining up? That's a kairos moment. That's, that's not a chronological moment, a chronos moment. That's a kairos moment. And so what God, what, what Paul was saying is that when is the accepted time to hear the salvation? Now. When is the day of salvation? Today. Do not let or waste an opportunity get by there. And he said this with, with such a passion. And why was he so passionate in regards to it? Look at your neighbor and tell him the time is short. Time is short. Time is short. The Bible turns around and explains to us that there will come a time when God would no longer contend with his creation. And so it says that he gives no offense in anything, laying down no stumbling blocks for the people that are seeking the faith. But what? In all things. How many things? In all things that we would commend ourselves, introduce ourselves, be present within ourselves as ministers of God. How many ministers of God are in the room? Every hand should be up because we all are called to minister the word of God, to minister the gospel. You know that word minister, it comes from a Latin term, minister. It's the same word where we get minus from. It's a servant. It's an attendant. It's a person that recognizes himself as being less than and so that cocky attitude that self-confidence that self-righteousness that's got to go out the window because God is calling us to give preference to the next man over ourselves amen to lay down our lives as living sacrifices and so what Paul says is that there is no better proof no, no more convincing proof of his ministry than the patient endurance of character reflected in the hardships and the nature and consistency of his ministry. And so Paul goes off and gives his qualification. It's almost like a, an old school resume. And he begins then to list what his qualifications are as what? As a minister of God. 
And so here we have his resume. He breaks his resume into, you know, you got chronological resumes. Some of us who've had a lot of jobs, we don't want to do that one because, you know, we got to list everything. So, <laughs> so we start messing around with our resumes because we want to look good on paper, right? Come on. Yeah, all right. I'm the only one. I know. <laughs> he, goes, he goes by and he gives these qualifications in three phases of statements. He has the in statements, the by statements, as, and the as statements. In, by, and as. And, of course, we already gone over the experience in and what is his experience? What, what is the experience of his ministry? He says in what? what? Much patience. Remember the patience, the endurance, the ability to bear up when all things are pushing down. Patience, endurance. In tribulations and problems and hardships, right? In needs, meaning that I may not have everything that I would like to have in life at this moment in time. Should that phase me in my area of ministry? We got to come to a place to understand, Lord, if I don't have it right now, it's because I obviously don't need it right now. Because you're going to supply my every need according to your word. So if we come through life and we find ourselves in positions of needs, Lord, I have this need. I'm going to bring it before you. And until that comes, have your perfect work in me. Mold me, shape me. Things are going to be a little rough. Things are going to be a little difficult. And I embrace that. Let that have its perfect work in me. In distresses, in stripes, Paul was beat, beat for his faith, for his ministry, in imprisonments, locked up, in tumults, confusion of masses, in labors, in sleeplessness, in fastings. It describes this capacity to continue and bear up. Not a passive complacency, but a hopeful fortitude that actively resists weariness and defeat. Yet, in all these things, in all of those things he listed, he says what? We are more than conquerors through him who loved us. Regardless of, of, of that opposition, regardless of how difficult it is to climb up that mountain, to press through that wall. That we know that we are more than conquerors. Why? We know the end game. The adversary is defeated. Eternal life is granted, is available. Not just living for this moment. That, that went away at salvation. Now I live every day, Lord God. Every day is yours. Because I understand that I'm eternal. So whether I live or die this day, oh God, it's unto you. It's unto you. 2 Corinthians eleven twenty two through 33 speaks a little bit about what Paul went through for his ministry. And he describes them. Are they Hebrews? Are they Israelites? Well, so am I. Are they the seed of Abraham? Well, so am I. Are they ministers of Christ? <laughs> of course not. I speak as a fool. I am more in labors, more abundant. In stripes, above measure. In prisons, more frequently. In deaths, often. He was left for dead several times. 
From the Jews, five times I received 40 stripes minus one. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked. A night and a day I have been in the deep. In journeys often in perils of water, in perils of robbers, in perils of my own countrymen. In perils of the Gentiles, in perils in the city, in perils in the wilderness, in perils in the sea, in perils among false brethren. In weariness and toil and sleepness, often in hunger and thirst and fastings. Often in cold and nakedness, besides other things, what comes upon me daily, listen to what his greatest, his greatest desire, his greatest concern is for all the churches. Who is weak? And I am not weak. Who is made to stumble? And I do not burn with indignation. Paul went through some stuff. And if we're going to minister God's word, if we're going to be the herald to capture his voice and declare it out to the people that are lost, we must be able to make a stand and know that we're going to confront some stuff. Look at your neighbor, tell him, I'm ready for some confrontation. I'm ready for some confrontation. <laughs> Miss Myrna's like, oh, I don't, don't want to speak that. <laughs> the dads are ready. They got their dad knives. <laughs> ready for some confrontation. You better back up, fool. Air a brother out with a utility knife. Okay. Which now brings us then to today's message, the conclusion of this series. <laughs> How many people say Amen. <laughs> How can a mere man endure such heartache and such pressure? You know, on his own strength. It's impossible. It's impossible. We fold under pressure quick. Come on, fellas. You know, thing, things get a little tough. Things get a little, we want to bang out. We want to tap out fast. I, I ain't want to endure this. Not, just, I want to be sweating, bait, busting butt and breaking back. Huh? But Paul then lays out his third statements. He did the by. He did the in. Oh, excuse me, no. He did the in, he did the by. And the buys are what? How, how was he able to do it? Verse 6, by these, by purity, by knowledge, by long-suffering, by kindness, by the Holy Spirit, by sincere love, by the word of truth, by the power of God, and by the armor of righteousness in the right hand and on the left. By honor and dishonor, by evil report and good report. The first part is that he declares is his purity. By purity. We're able to overcome by purity. What does purity mean? It comes, it comes from a Greek word, hagnos or hagios. Clean, modest, pure, undefiled, morally faultless, without blemish. Oh man, but that doesn't feel like me. First John 3, 2 and 3. Dear friends, we are, now we are children of God and what we will be has not yet been made known. But we know that when Christ appears, we shall be like him for we shall see him as he is. All who have this hope in him purify themselves just as he is pure. 
So the things that we struggled before when we were in the flesh, remember, huh? Romans chapter 6, the things that I don't want to do, that I find myself doing, the things that I want to do, I, I, I can't do. Who's going to deliver me from this body of death, from this mortality, from this flesh? As we separate ourselves, God begins a process, and it's called, here's a, here's a good word, sanctification. Sanctification is progressive, right? So, so, you know, when we come under Christ and we're under his blood, God sees us as pure, as righteous. How do we see each other? God's seeing us through the blood of Jesus. We're seeing each other as we are. The blood of Jesus. How we need that blood. Because it's what makes us pure and holy. And what happens is that as we are made pure and holy, we begin to purify ourselves. When I was a child, I thought like a child, I reasoned like a child, I did childish behavior. But when I became a man, I had to put childish behaviors to the side. And we've got to come to that place where we purify ourselves. There's certain things that we have a lot of Christian liberty upon, but we wind up choosing and saying no to certain lifestyles, to certain invitations, to movies that are playing. I'm going to protect the, the gates of my eyes. I'm going to protect the gates of my ears. I'm not going to listen to that, to the lyrics of that kind of music because it brings this, you know, it, 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 it's demonic for crying it out loud. Oh, you hate when I say that, crying out loud. There you go. For whatever reason, I always add the it, crying it out loud. She always corrects me. That's not the same. So we begin by purifying ourselves. It's the purity. That purity comes at salvation when we accept Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. We are sinners saved by grace. The wages of sin is death because of the choices, the thoughts, the things that I've done, my attitude. I, I deserve death. Jesus has made us righteous. When we accepted him, Jesus, I accept your blood as the living sacrifice, as the Lamb of God to take away the sins, my sins, Lord. So we, so it's at that moment that we become purified. The purification then leads us to what? To knowledge. No one comes near unless the Holy Spirit draws him near. Now when, when he draws us near, now we're given knowledge. The greatest knowledge that we can receive is the knowledge of him. Where does our knowledge come from? Our wisdom. When we get saved, the Holy Spirit comes and begins to open up our eyes, reveals. It's the Holy Spirit's job to illuminate us, to, to reveal to us, to teach us. It is the, he is the parakletos, the comforter, the advocate that comes alongside. So now we're walking within knowledge, knowledge of who God is, knowledge of what life is, knowledge of our purpose, knowledge of, of, the, of the lostness and darkness that's within this world. So now we're operating within knowledge that then brings us to what? The third place of long-suffering. Having or showing patience in spite of troubles, especially those caused by other people. Long-suffering. Long-suffering, and then I love the fact that he follows that up with this beautiful word, kindness. Christotes. Christotes, it's goodness in action, sweetness of disposition, gentleness in dealing with others, benevolence. It describes the ability to act for the welfare of others 
especially those that are taxing your patience. Mm. God's calling us into a certain level of kindness that would that we would be able to put others before ourselves. God's got to do this work in your heart. You're not going to naturally have a disposition, especially when somebody is giving you attitude. How do you respect the people that disrespect you? How do you love the people that are virtually unlovable? How can we have relationship, oh God, with others that are so uh, um, brass, so abrasive, and yet you're calling us to what? Not only, not only to have the patience to deal with them, but to have the kindness. Only one way you could do that, and that's by the third thing that he he, he listed, huh? He goes he goes from the purity into the knowledge into the long suffering into the kindness, and now we're coming into this place. Do you see how this is a developmental process? He 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 listed this in this order, and he did it intentionally because this is how we grow and so now we go from from the purity of being pure to having the knowledge of how to live to then um um, having the long suffering of how to deal with people to then having this kindness that is unnatural and it's done by the power of his holy spirit it's the holy spirit living inside of us oh come on i know i know i've argued with god Come on, but Lord, I don't want to do that. I don't want to go there. But yet that's where I'm calling you to go. Are you willing to go? Will you put yourself to the side and put me first? The only way you show that is by, by going where I'm sending you. By doing the things that are going to be a little uncomfortable. It's going to take you out of your comfort zone. The only way we do that is through the power of his Holy Spirit. We cannot in of ourselves do that, family. When... And, and, this, and I'm, I'm going to challenge you, church, because I know this is a church filled with ministers of God. You're on that front line. You're ministering to your coworkers. You're ministering to your neighbors. You're ministering to your community. You're reaching out. The only way that you can continue to do that and carry that out is that you have to draw from the strength and the power of the Holy Spirit. If you try and do that within your own strength, within your own flesh, you're going to get burnt out. You're going, to go, you're going to grow weary in your well-doing. And the Bible tells us not to grow weary in our well How can we not grow weary when people are taxing us day in and day out? It's not by your strength, and it's not by your power, but it's by your Holy Spirit, oh, Father God. Work in and through us, oh, Lord. Empower us to do what we can't do. Because this sincere love that you're calling us into, this unhypocritical, agape love, it's not naturally born within us. Especially in our Western culture. We don't even know what love is. Huh? We love each other. I love my brother. I love my wife. Man, I love Charlie. I love that little dog. I love my car. I love my car. I love, I love my clothes, right? Because cause we live in a world where love seems to be a word that we can apply to just about everything. Not so for the, for, for the Greeks. They had like five words to distinguish the different types of love. And the God's love, this agape love, this love that is not worldly. 
It is unnatural. It does not make sense. Why do you treat that person after they've done what they've done, after they said what they've said, and you still turn around and love on them? Yes. Yes. That's what we're called to do. As Jesus loved on us while we were driving spikes through his hands. He died for my sins. He died for your sins. Now, if he expressed that kind of love to us, we're not supposed to express that love to each other. Regardless of how lost a person can be. In fact, Jesus says, the more they're lost, the more I want you to love them. And it comes, that sincere love, by the word of truth. Huh? By the gospel, by his Bible. This is, this is now this developmental process of, of this. Now we're coming into this sincere love, this agape love. It's, it's flowing out of us through the power of your Holy Spirit. Now we have this word of truth that sustains us, that holds us, that will not pass away. Leading into the armor of righteousness, the weapons, not in one hand, but in both hands. Come on, what are the weapons of the hands? In the right hand, we carry the weapon of the, the sword, the sword of truth, the word of God. The left hand, the shield of faith, which is going. We have an empowerment, not in the right hand, but also in the left hand. The shield of faith and the sword of truth in Ephesians 6, so that we can battle the adversary. We're not only on the defense, but we're also on the attack. Let the peak be known as a church that's on the attack, driving back the darkness of this world, driving back the addiction, driving back the oppression, the, the mental anguish, hmm? the anxieties that people live under, the, the, this, this, this darkness of this depressive state of isolation and, and pulling apart. And so we come into this paradox on verse 8, the certifications of appearances. Right? Because now we have the appearances. You know, on your resume, you, you, you have your, your, uh, everything that's listed as far as your skill set and your experience. But then on the bottom, it's the, the added stuff that you can, you know, I'm bilingual. I was on the drama team. You know, you start adding all the little, the little add-ons, right? So he adds on the add-ons, which brings us to the, the paradoxal statements. In honor and dishonor, evil report and good report. How many people know that you can't please 100% of the people 100% of the time? Huh? Look at your neighbor and say, I'm not here to please you. I'm not here to please you. I'm here to please God. In my service to God, I know that I might displease, I may say something that you may not like. But that's all right because the truth hurts. And sometimes we have to be confronted with the truth. It has to rip and tear into us so that then we can heal correctly. Not everyone in the church will have a positive outlook on your ministry. You will be challenged. People will talk about you. Not only in the positive, but also in the negative. You can't allow that. The whispers and the naysayers to affect what God is calling you out to do. Because at the end of the day, the only person that you have to justify yourself to, the only person that you have to give account to, is God. Both, at the end of the day, both my successes and my failures I bring to you, Lord, they belong to you. I can't take ownership. If I preach that someone was doing really, really good and then all of a sudden they backslide and they're out on the world again, I can't take that and hold that. I can't take that personally. 
I could just pray for them, Lord, whenever they're ready. We're here. God, wherever he's at, just protect them. Don't allow the adversary to, to take him away. I pray right now in the name of Jesus for every shackle to be broken. I pray, God, that whatever he's got to go through, that you would drive him to his knees. Bring him to the point of no return, Lord God, to a place of brokenness that the only place that he can look is look up, Lord. And in that moment, I pray right now that you would surround them with the individuals that would be able to guide them and, and encourage them and disciple him and speak life into him. Even if I'm 50,000 miles away, Lord, I know that you're there with him. We release them to the Lord. They belong to God. They don't belong to us. And so many times I see people in ministry, the, the sheep, the sheep, the sheep, you know. Oh, no, no, he's going to my church. Oh, no, he's going to her church. He's going to, man, you know what? The fact of the matter is I love everybody that God has brought into here to the peak, and I am your pastor, and I will lay down my life for you and pour myself into you. But you don't belong to me. You belong unto God. And the fact of the matter is that God called me to what? Into crisis for a city. I'm a chaplain. I'm a first responder to a, to a city that's in crisis. So as I'm walking through the streets, I'm discipling, I'm preaching the gospel. But, you know, if a person, if I see, man, you know what? They're going to do a lot better with Pastor, ba with Pastor Battle. They're going to do really good with Pastor Young. I'm going to refer and I'm going to guide them to people where they already have connections and relationships. Why? I want to see them flourish. Doesn't, it doesn't mean that, you know, I'm trying to, going out there and I'm bringing everybody to the peak. I want people to be rooted and planted where God would have you rooted and planted. Hallelujah. The faithful minister must not let either praise or unfair criticism affect him too greatly. He goes on to say that as a deceiver and yet true, unknown and yet well-known. There were accusations that came across, uh, against Paul. Huh? They, they called him and, and professed him to be a false prophet. He became unknown to his former world. He was, he was a Pharisee, right? Paul was there and he was a Jewish leader. And to then the Jewish leaders where he was prominent and well-known, he became unknown. They did away with him. They wrote him off. And to the people that he was unknown to, the people that were, they were afraid to, now all of a sudden these were the people that received him. Dying and behold, we live, chastened and yet not killed. Psalm 118, he was quoting. He went back 700 years into scripture and he quoted scripture when he said, I will not die, but live and will proclaim what the Lord has done. The Lord has chastened me severely, but has not given me over to death. Willing to put up these struggles, oh God, for the sake of your kingdom, for the sake of your name. Sorrowful. And yet always rejoicing. Huh? The circumstances don't dictate our joy. We can be in one of... I never, ever felt freer than when the moment I became incarcerated. When Jesus Christ made himself real to me, I was freer in prison than I ever was in the world. How is that possible? It's the paradox of Christianity. Poor, yet making many rich. Sometimes people ask me, hey, you know, hey, Rev, hey, Pastor, you know, I need this, I need that, and what have you. I, I, I'm not a wealthy man. I'm not a wealthy man. 
I, I, I make things, you know, it's hard to make ends meet. We, we got pressures. We've got, we, we've got everything else that everybody else has in life. And yet having very little, it's our, it's my job to make others rich. I, I tell men all the time. I, I'm, I, I'm not, I'm not, a, I'm not into giving handouts. I don't, I don't give men money. I teach men how to make money. Huh? Cause you feed a man a fish, you feed them for the day, but you teach them how to fish, you feed them for a lifetime. This is about life recovery. This is about putting things right in order so that then God could begin to bless us in a way that he would bless others. So we can't look at what I don't have. Oh, I don't have this or I don't have that. Hold on a second. You got the wrong mindset. Stop looking at what you don't have and start looking at what you do have. And then take what you do have and be faithful with that and surrender and submit that to God. God, if you could use this, then use it. And watch how he'll build you from precept upon precept. He will grow you from glory to glory. But we got to get out of this mindset that, oh, I don't have anything or I can't do this. Nonsense. Lies from the pit of hell. God called us to be more than conquerors, regardless of our circumstance or situation. He called you to rise to the top, to be the lender and not the borrower, to be the head and not the tail. So I want to come against that, that demonic mindset of, of, oh, I don't have anything. I can't do this because I don't have, because I don't. Stop. What do you have? Our spiritual wealth compared to this material wealth there's no comparison. It cannot contest. Would you bow your heads with me this morning? And close your eyes. Don't worry about the person next to you. Make a private altar before you unto the Lord. Do you know Jesus? Do you have a story about a heart transformation? Do you want one? Right there where you're at. If you want to feel cleansed of your sins, if you want that, that burden, that weight of transgression, of your shortcomings to be lifted off of you right now, just let me see your hand. If you haven't professed, amen. Amen, I see that. I'm gonna pray for you. I'm gonna pray for you. Will you stand with me this morning, church? I see two hands, and I'm actually, I want to pray specifically and individually this morning uh, for these two individuals. Hallelujah. There were two hands that went up, and, and, and I'm going to ask to please uh, meet with me um, right afterwards. And I have some literature for you. I want, I want you to take that. Uh, I, I, got, I got some things for you. I want you to take home with you to help you on this journey. And I definitely want to give you my contact information. So if you have any questions, come on, there's two salvations in this house this morning. We're declaring it. We're holding it. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. <laughs> so, so with that family, I want to bless you this morning. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. I bless you, church, in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. God bless you, church. I look forward to seeing you Tuesday, Thursday, and, and Sunday. <laughs> Amen. God bless you.